Good morning, and it's good to be back and speaking about the Word of God. Jude, we're reaching the end of Jude, another couple of weeks and we'll be finished with Jude. I hope you'll miss it, I think I will. Well, following last week, I pray that we will all have understood and realize the importance of being in Christ. That is, being truly born again of the Spirit of God and working to live as his ambassadors for God and our Saviour Jesus Christ daily in this evil world, telling forth the gospel of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. What a wonderful Saviour we have. As I say, we're nearing the end of Jude, however, and it's a big however, we still have four more vital verses to study. And I must confess, the next two, 22 and 23, which we will look at today, are difficult and we need your prayers as we tackle them this time. We pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we seek to learn the true meanings which God would teach us from these two short but nonetheless important verses. Amen. What a wonderful Saviour we have. We saw last week that Nehemiah said he is a gracious and merciful God. Reading from Jude, verse 21, And keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously and looking forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which will bring you to eternal life. Are we looking forward to the rapture? Paul was, and I hope you are too. Verse 22, And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy, but with fear, loathing even the clothing spotted and polluted by their shameless immoral freedom. I was looking at it in the Amplified Version, and it says, And refute, that is, disprove, so as to convict some who dispute with you. And some have mercy, who waver and doubt, strive to save others, snatching them, out of the fire. On others take pity, but with fear, loathing even the garment spotted by the flesh and polluted by their sensuality. It seems to me that, apart from the false teachers, there were in fact three other different types of people here. And this, in some ways, uh, 
equates to the types mentioned in this short epistle. I think, sadly, these three types can be seen in many of our churches and denominations today. Going back quite a while, in our second talk, we saw Jude as he surveyed the work of God and the churches in his day. And he could see that there were those who despised the truth and so were undermining the truth and everything to do with it. And if that continued, it will slowly collapse if the foundations are not kept in order. He wrote to those that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. We said that our God is a God of multiplication. The animals were to go out of the ark and to multiply. And we, he wants us to go into the world and preach the gospel and multiply. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. We who are born again are chosen, dearly loved by our Heavenly Father, and set apart for the Father's use, and we are kept by the Lord Jesus Christ and preserved by him. Kept by the power of God unto salvation. So that was the background that we're looking at today as we look at these few little verses. And then Jude prayed that we will be blessed by mercy, peace and love being multiplied in us. Then he says, I found it necessary. I was impelled. I was driven forward. I had to press on, constrained into action. To do something. In a way he was being pressurized into action. He wanted those around him to contend, that is struggle, in order to overcome this problem. Contend earnestly for the faith which has been delivered once for all to us. He could see the seriousness of the situation and wanted everyone else to see as well. It was given to the apostles in the early church and in Jude's day 
to deliver the word of God and commit it to writing. However, the responsibility of each one of us, each true born-again child of God, to ensure that the Holy Word is maintained in all its God-given truth and then pass it on to others. So we saw that there were those within the churches who were genuine, true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But soon, in this little epistle, he was to explain how the false teachers had crept in unawares and beginning to cause a serious situation in relation to, to the truth of God's word. He could see this already happening and he was prophesying really that it was going to keep on getting worse and we had to be careful. And so let us read those two verses again for today. We'll read them from the Amplified Version. I'll read them just first, starting with verse 22. And refute, that is, disprove. When some accusation is made, disprove it if it is not true. And so refute, so as to convict some who dispute with you. And on some have mercy who waver and doubt. Strive to save others, snatching them out of the fire. On others take pity, but with fear, loathing even the garment spotted by the flesh and polluted by their sensuality. Refute, disprove, convict some who dispute with you. There were a group of people within the church and they would be prepared to argue about the word of God. Perhaps the false teaching had caused some to doubt the truth of Holy Scripture. Sadly, this is all too obvious in many places. With all the social media around today, Facebook, Twitter and all the rest of it, it is all too easy to spread gossip and false teaching without any need to back up statements with truth. And soon we begin to get doubters being bred on these falsehoods. You know, we've all, we've said this before, people will say, oh yes, I know the Bible says that. But in my opinion, and I always think that, is God interested in that fellow's opinion? He's not. Perhaps because of these false teachers who had apparently been permitted to circulate within the churches, these people had become used to having to argue with these men. 
and so had developed into a cantankerous bunch, not willing to accept any other point of view but their own. It's very sad, but perhaps they were driven into this kind of cantankerous mood because of these false teachers. Disprove them, convict them who dispute with you. Seek to show them the simplicity of the scriptures and then to explain and disprove the false teaching that they have come to accept. And then we come to the second little group. On some have mercy who waver and doubt. James tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's like a, a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. We've had a terrible storm here in the last couple of days and you know, the waves of the sea, there's nothing uh, steady about them. They're driven with the wind and tossed. And much like some of these doubters, they waver backwards and forwards. And James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. These doubters, people within our churches, Jude says, should be treated with mercy. We saw last week that our God is a merciful God and we as his followers should emulate his blessed characteristics in our treatment of these unfortunate and vulnerable believers who have been led astray. It's so easy to be insensitive to other people's problems. But let us think before we react with harshness to these unfortunate fellow Christians. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, our witness. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yes, grace to help in our treatment of others. We don't have a great high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Pray that others will find that grace and help in time of need. It's so easy to ignore some of these unfortunate people who have doubts and fears. Then we come to the third little group in our two verses for today. Strive to save others, snatching them out of the fire. It's unclear from the scripture what the position of this group is, but one thing is sure. They will appear in churches according to Jude's prophecies. They will appear and are in great danger if they, like the false teachers, are devoid of the Holy Spirit. We have to strive to save them and to snatch them out of the fire. And so we come to the last little group here. On others take pity, but with fear, loathing even the garments spotted by the flesh and polluted by their sensuality. It would appear to me that those in this group do not have the Spirit of God in their lives. Nevertheless, we should strive to win them for our Lord and Saviour. But it is with fear and spiritual trembling that we approach this task. We can now see the reason why Jews has been preparing us for the tasks we will face in our churches today. Perhaps we wondered why he appeared to labour on the wicked men who had entered into the churches unawares. And he had emphasised the necessity to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying earnestly in the Holy Spirit, maintaining a close fellowship with our Lord and Saviour, guarding and keeping ourselves in the love of God. You may have wondered 
why he labored on these things? Well, the answer is here. In order to carry out the tasks which are required of us through God's help, we need to possess and use the tools God has given us for the work ahead. These people have gone far away in self-will and corruption. Thus, it is the only, as we live in communion with God, and about them and their needs, that their case can be reached. For while using all energy for their deliverance, even the garment spotted with the flesh must be hated. Both priestly separation and priestly discernment are necessary for such warfare with the power of the enemy. So now, just in closing, I just want to look at a few verses in Zechariah chapter 3 and we will read the whole chapter. Zechariah chapter 3 and we shall read the whole chapter. Zechariah chapter 3 And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And here was Zachariah saw this vision, this uh, vision that God gave him. And the Joshua here is not the Joshua who uh, saved Jericho. This is a high priest who was a friend of Zerubbabel. So he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him and to uh, contradict him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Speaking of Israel, Joshua appeared here as representing Israel and Israel in all their sin. But there was looking forward to the day when Israel will be saved. And Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him. This is the angel speaking, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee 
with the change of raiment. And then we see an interesting thing here. Zachariah joined in. He got excited about all this. That Joshua, that Joshua was going to be given clean garments. And, he, and it says here, And I said, let, him, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant the branch. Here was a promise that Joshua was seeing, and this Zechariah was seeing, of the promised branch the Lord Jesus Christ who would come. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. And that was an amazing little uh, vision that was given to Joshua. He saw the vision of the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan was there. At the angel's right hand, accusing Joshua of many things. He was Joshua's adversary. And why was Satan so annoyed? Because God was going to restore Israel and will restore Israel in the future. But Israel had sinned. And Joshua stood there in these filthy clothes. And it was an object lesson for Zechariah to see. And the Lord said to Satan, apparently Satan was going to accuse Joshua on behalf of Israel. And God said, I reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, I the Lord, for I have decided to be merciful to Jerusalem. I rebuke you. I have decreed mercy to Joshua and his nation. They are like a burning stick pulled out of the fire. 
And that's what we were talking about early on, about these people who were close to being burned in the fire. But here was Joshua, saved like a brand pulled out of the fire. And Joshua's clothes were filthy as he stood before the angel of the Lord. And I was thinking as I was reading this that this reminded me so much of the story of the prodigal son. He came to himself. Joshua was there representing Israel who had sinned. And he was in these filthy garments, not the priestly, high priestly garments that he should have been wearing, but the clothes he was wearing was representative of how the children of Israel had sinned in God's sight. But God had promised that he would restore Israel. And they took off his clothes and they put new raiment upon him so like what happened to the prodigal son he came to himself and when his father saw him he fell on his neck and kissed him and brought him into the house and he said to the servants put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and new raiment for this my son was dead and is alive, but is lost and is found. And the, said, it's just like somebody who had been pulled out of the fire, saved. And our task, according to this little passage we read this morning in Jude, our task is to pull these people out of the fire, God willing. Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood before the angel of the Lord. Then the angel said, remove his filthy clothing. God is going to restore Israel someday in the future. And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins. And how is that going to be possible? For man's sins to be taken away. Well, the reason is because also there's a picture here of the branch. The Lord Jesus Christ who is coming. And he will be there. He will bleed and die for each one of us. And our sins will be forgiven through simple faith and trust in him. Joshua represents the branch whom I will send. The Lord Jesus Christ will return to this earth someday and he will come and he will cleanse Israel. And all Israel will recognize the Lord Jesus Christ whom, who was slain on the cross for each one of us. And then it explains, I'm giving you these fine clothes. Please 
could he also put a mitre on his head? And they gave him a... They, that was Zachariah's suggestion, that he should have a new mitre. And they put a mitre on his head as well. And then they had this promise. If you follow the paths I set for you, and do as I tell you to, then I will put you in charge of my temple to keep it holy, and I will let you walk in and out of my presence with these angels. What a wonderful promise that was, or that is, for Israel someday. But you know, these people who are in danger of being burned in the fires of hell, we are to strive to get them out, to help them leave their situation and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ who will take away their filthiness, take away their sins, their filthy garments, and he will reclothe them with the righteousness of God. And he will then allow them in and out of his presence to come before him with prayers and supplications and we can come before the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness to obtain help and succor in time of need. May God help us each one with whom we come in contact day by day May God help us to tell them the story of Jesus. Amen.